Yay, it worked. <laughs> uh, you set this up and sometimes it just does not want to work. Welcome everyone to the Captain's Table, a very special episode of the Captain's Table where we're going to be talking to an expert in uh, mining and we're also going to be talking to a couple other lore experts and talk a little bit about lore as well. So welcome. Oh, uh, I know about all the lore of Hurston, let me tell you. <laughs> Speaking of, of Hurston, uh, let's begin over here. Uh, old man Hurston himself, Mr. Al Garrett, who are you? What do you do in Star Citizen? Where can they find you? Well, uh, in in the universe, you can find me on Hurston. Um, actually, now you can find me on Microtech. Um, I'm generally on InfraRunners. We generally do series on Fix My Fleet. We've been doing a lot on IAE and looking at the ships that are around with that. Um, I like playing Star Citizen. I also uh, frequent uh, the Law Citizen podcast with Paul and Joe, on which reaches on Paul's channel. Um, that's probably about it. Awesome. Sure. Um, uh, then we've got Tecton. Tecton, who are you? What do you do in Star Citizen? Where can they find you? Hey, I'm Tecton. Uh, generally, if you're looking to find me, I'm over in the Info Runners like every day, it seems like recently as uh, Algorit can probably attest. Uh, In-game, I mostly just run a small mining org, and we plan to just have fun mining. Awesome. And um, your background, because you're, you're, you're an expert when it comes to, to uh, mining. What is your background when it comes to like mining and such in, in the real world? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a geologist who has mostly experience in geophysics in the form of surveying through GPR, resistivity and seismic but uh in general i prefer mining geology so when we talk about that that's kind of the subject i like to go into um do you have any specialties when it, with mining is it oil uh, minerals anything like that metal metals uh, okay. i'm mostly trying to get into the metal sector like i said okay. right now i'm mostly working geophysics so not as mm. much awesome uh, and last but not least we have senior jail who are you? What do you do in Star Citizen? And where can they find you? I'm Jail. Most people know me for getting overly invested in alien constructed languages. You can usually find me here uh, because <laughs> or with, with things that Paul does because I haven't really created much of my own in a while. But I do have a YouTube channel and a Twitter account where you can hear about the half-finished projects I'm failing to finish. It'll happen eventually. But, he, uh, but yeah. Jail and... Jalen and Algrid are both um, uh, regulars on the Lore Citizen podcast, so if you want to hear long-form lore talking about some specific events or a, a category, we tend to do those. We've been, I think we've done three so far together. Well, three or four, or four, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then we'll, ha we'll have another one coming up in November or in December at some point, just because we haven't done one in a while, so we need to get those done. Uh, and and um, life for all of us will start to get a bit slower. Yes. We hope. We hope. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, let's get started with the Odyssey, the big story, the big topic. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on the Odyssey, goods and bads? Jail, since you're the last person to introduce yourself. Um, oh, before we do that, let's get started with what the Odyssey is. For those of you who don't know, they just released a concept ship called the Misk Odyssey, which is an explorer that can do mining and has its own uh, refinery refinery capability it has uh 242 units of cargo and a landing pad an extra small landing pad um but it can also deploy like ground vehicles and such it's this carrick sized ship 
So with that in mind, jail thoughts, goods, bads, likes, don't likes. I mean, first off, I think the visual design of it is really great. It's speaking to a tradition of misc uh, architecture, you could say, which really kind of goes back more towards the Gemini. But what it mostly reminded me of was the uh, um, Endeavor Explorer cab. That's the part yeah. of the Endeavor that can detach. It looks like, uh, you know, it's from that branch of the company. Uh, maybe a branch of the company that doesn't have so much of the Xi'an influence of to its outs externals that we've seen in the smaller craft. Um, I think that, you know, I'm a Carrick owner, and I'm probably going to keep my Carrick. Um, but obviously, I, like all Carrick owners, been weighing up the two ships. I think there's really interesting things in that its cargo, every bit of cargo appears to be competing for space with something else. Yeah. There's a cargo bay which is also the hangar, and there's a cargo bay which is also mm. the vehicle bay. Doesn't appear to come with any vehicles, though it might be able to hold bigger vehicles than the Carrick that can currently, um, particularly its hangar. And I think the really interesting thing about it is, in terms of differentiation between the Carrick versus the Odyssey, is the positioning of the weapons. It really looks like they're setting up the Odyssey to. You know, it's still survivable, but it's, it hasn't got any guns on the sides. It, it has two on the front, one at the back, and that's its, that's its uh, remote turrets. And it's got some missiles. But I think that you, you, when you're going to balance those, you, there's, I've taken the Carrick into some fights, and it can really melt things. I wouldn't necessarily trust the Odyssey with those blind spots. Otherwise, there's, uh, you know, there's um, the other capabilities of the Carrick. It's still keeping like the drone bay and the um, engineering bay thing that it has. I'd like to see those gameplay things evolve so we can really understand what we're getting with both packages. But I think they've pitched it well as, as a competitor, but not automatic better win. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Tecton, your thoughts and your professional opinion. Sure. Uh, I've kind of said it before on other videos about this ship. I don't think it's a uh, competitor to the Carrick at all. I don't think they actually have the same niche. I view this as a mineral resource surveyor and the Carrick as a broad, uh, broad system or planetary uh, scan. It's more, do I want to go out and find something? This is more, I want to go out and find this very specifically. Uh, so we got to wait until the Q&A to know for sure on this one. But I do think it is a very different beast. What do you what do you like and dislike about it? Is there any are there any downsides to this? I dislike that it's misc, but that's just personal. <laughs> uh, but no, I didn't see anywhere in there anything about a drafting table or a hollow viewer like we have in the Carrick, which I think mm -hmm. is a very big missed opportunity if you're doing the type of things I'm expecting out of this ship. I think that would be very neat, very cool to add in. When it comes to what I like, um, I kind of like the positioning of the radar. It will go into theory crafting, I believe, later, and I'll explain why. And I do like the uh, the positioning for the cab that has the uh, mining laser as well as the uh, tractor beam. Okay. Um, Al, your thoughts? Oh, we're Hurston. I've got a whole fleet of these ready to go. <laughs> um. It is, as Tecton said, I, 
a ship that is made for making money. Uh, sorry, not making money, but finding the places to make money. So um, I see it as a planetary survey ship. It'll go down, it'll find those hotspots, and then you'll bring in your Pioneer and you'll build your mining outpost on them, or you'll bring in a fleet of um, rocks and mine the crap out of it, or bring in your fleet of uh, prospectors or moles or do whatever you do. But it is it is not for ship to um, make the money. It'll find them. It'll find the, the, the rich veins and then you'll exploit and strip mine the crap out of it, just like we have done on Hurston. Um, mm -hmm. You know, so I think that's definitely the the, the, the value of a ship. I, what I like is, is is the things that the guys have already mentioned. Um, I like the fact you've got the hangar that you can put a, a mining ship in or even another support ship. I like the fact that you've got those... Um, remote turrets, uh, which is a, an upgrade from what you normally sign ships. Um, I could see blading those top two to be automatic. So they, when you're landed, if you're landed and you're doing stuff, they will automatically come into, um, you know, um, come into come into play. Uh, it does mean you could have one person on the ship if they've got them, got them bladed and he could be sitting there mining or flying the ship or doing whatever. What I don't like is is what Tecton raised is the fact that it doesn't have that cartography table. How are we supposed to be able to plan our operations when we don't have that mapping table to send everyone off? Exactly. Most frustrated is old man Hurston. I'm I'm really annoyed <laughs> at these these missed people. I told them what I wanted and they didn't do it. So yeah. Um <laughs> so yeah, that's that's probably the, the big thing there. Uh I will say, I think there's. I think, I think the Odyssey is getting a bit of a bad shake because I think people are either concerned that it's a, a Carrick, it's better than the Carrick, or like they're always comparing it to to the Carrick. And and the way I like to see it is the Odyssey is much more like a drill ship, um, which is a ship sent out to kind of go find resources, like oil, and start tapping drills. That uh, then maybe a, uh, a uh, bring on a platform afterwards to kind of really drill down into the into the ocean floor and you know start bringing up the the oil. Whereas the Carrick is much more like an oceanographic explorer designed to like you know map the sea floor or look for specific um, species. Maybe send down sub submersibles to go investigate an old wreck. You know th that sort of thing. It's it's the completely two different things. One is designed to go out and explore. The other one is looking for oil. Uh, in this case, it's one is designed to go out and explore the universe. The other one is looking for resources to bring back or to mine and refine and bring back or whatever. So it's a very different mentality. It's an exploration ship, but it's more of an exploitation ship than an exploration ship. It exploits the resources in the, in the frontier rather than trying to find out, you know, where they are to sell to other people. So if there's uh, the yeah. evidence, people, that Paul's been working on Hurston in my past because he's he's taking on our he's taking on our mentality <laughs> already. I think the uh, thing with is is they're not gonna compete for gameplay roles, but I think they're no. gonna compete for backers' attention and backers' no. money. And I think there's probably a lot of characters that have become um you know become Odysseys simply because people who have that dream of like going out there to explore for resource extraction would have probably previously been with a Carrick because that mm -hmm. was the best ship we had available at the time or maybe an Endeavour but you know the Endeavour's got its own issues of development 
So I think that a lot of people will be, you know, we, we've all come into this game with our own like ideas of what we want to do. And this this probably does address a really big niche of people that are that for whom this is now so much better an offer to them um, than the Carrick was. Yeah, and, and you look at the sorry, go on, Paul. I was just going to say, and, and this this is this is much more of a um, much more of a, a ship designed for miners than it is done for explorers. I think mm. calling it an exploration ship is almost a misnomer. So. Yeah, good. I, I and I look back to the the olden days when they did their surveys to see what people wanted to do in game, and what, 70, 75 percent of the people said they wanted to do exploration. What yeah. the the Odyssey does is it actually broadens it out. It's 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 not a, a step up in many ways. It's a it's a step across. It's it is giving that diversification of the roles. So you've, and I, I, I've said it many times. I think that Carrick is that astrological um, explorer, and this is the, as you have said, and, and I think we've, I think many of us have said it many times. It is the, the drill ship. It goes and checks out zones or places you want, and then you bring in other stuff to exploit that. That find. Um, yeah. You certainly, you certainly won't be sending the Odyssey out to the far reaches of Kellogg or whatever system you know, where you you don't expect anything to be. You. You send the character find those things and and well what's out there let's have go find. you send this ship because i want to find what i can exploit oh there's a, an asteroid field there let's go check it out let's let's really rip it apart and that's no, what the, the ship the, is really helpful to do chat's bringing up the orion which i think is yeah. relevant if we're going that far into mining but i think mm. that the orion i wouldn't risk an orion in a place i don't know is is very safe and yeah. I wouldn't risk I wouldn't risk taking an Orion to a place where I'm not sure to hit a mother load because it's already yeah. been prospected. Well, and of course, you can't take an Orion down to a surface. So yeah, I was going to go with that last one he's bringing up. It, it's mostly that the Orion cannot go down to planet. Yeah. And when we talk about resources and we talk about resource exploitation, when you look at asteroid composition versus planetary ore. You have a vast variety that you can form on a planet that cannot be found in asteroids. Asteroids are typically either silica-based or uh, some sort of metal, ferrous iron usually, but mm -hmm. titanium, nickel, whatever. Uh, it doesn't matter, though. It's generally the bulk goods in Star Citizen, things that we're going to sell for very little but in bulk, large supply. And even if you're doing a... a, a, a... A survey of an asteroid field. You wouldn't take your Orion to do that. You'd you'd take your specialist survey ship to do that. That's keyed to be able to do that. So you want to find out what of these asteroids really got. Okay, we'll mine one. We'll, we'll refine it. We'll find out. Once you've worked out this is the mother load, then you call in your your Orion and, and your fleet of miners and you strip mine the crap out of it. And this this is all touching on what we what they've spoken a lot for a long time, but haven't really fully delivered on which is the information economy that that all explorers including specialized explorers exploiters like the odyssey will be a part of and and everyone else so once that's delivered upon that information economy of finding resource selling the information about a resource and then extracting it starts to become more reality the roles of all these ships in that tapestry will start to make a lot more sense I was going to say, yeah. I think, I think um, 
you y'all hit on this this pretty pretty well that I think you start off with explorers, be it Carrick or smaller, uh, finding these resources, telling an, uh, an, a mining org where it is, and then then the mining org's first ship is an Odyssey, going out there, finding the actual location, tapping into those resources, starting to find where the the you know using its better sensors to kind of find little areas while it's working on that, but you know. Why not work while you're there? And then eventually when you have enough, you know, resources or you can figure out where things are, you bring in something like the Orion or a larger fleet, you know, like a like a liberator filled with with prospectors or whatever, and then you start start getting to work or you bring in a, uh, a pioneer to start building up a mining base and location because like, you know, you're going to need to have that, that infrastructure. But when you don't have that infrastructure, you have the Odyssey there to kind of sweep in later to take care of that problem. So, um yeah. Any other comments about the uh, the 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 Odyssey? Yeah. All Give right. us the hollow table. Give us the hollow <laughs> table. table. <laughs> Give us the hollow table. I'll, I'll get behind that one. I I, uh, I think part of it is also part of the reason it doesn't have that is to help keep the the ships different. So you don't see the yeah. you don't see the where do we see the hollow table? We see it in the six hundred. We see it in the four hundred. We see it in the carrot. Mm -hmm. yeah. um we don't see it in the four we don't see it in quilla we don't see it in the terrapin we don't see it in the don't know if we see it in the call set i don't think we will and give we don't jimmy, see it in the in the odyssey you know give us so, jimmy's hollow board then just yes. all mounted hollow board yeah, yeah jimmy's yes. yeah yeah <laughs> i'll do and i know the aquila was originally said to have that kind of modular area where you could actually add a suite well, we will ever see that. Who knows? Please, CLG. Please. Uh, all right. So let's let's go on to the next uh, little bit with because we're gonna also talk a little bit about war lore because it's IAE, and I think one of the as a lore person, uh, I am going to continue to die on the cross and say that I think lore is one of those few things that a lot of people ignore up until it's absolutely necessary and or will like not pay attention to it and then they essentially lose out on a lot of real game information that that uh, is valuable so with that being said let's talk about maybe some unsung ships some ships that you really like that like can i have stories behind them um with al uh what's what, what is what is a ship that you you think is got good lore has got got some unsung unsungness that people should hear about one of the ships that i really like is actually the gladiator it is okay. an unsung hero um, it is a main feature of the, the lore of the Lost Squad. It is a ship of one of the great defences of e UEE territory from the Vanduul. Uh, Lost Squad is really telling that story of how the squadron of these these guys with their gladiators basically held the line and, and helped get people out and kept going back, even though they could have escaped. Um, from that, we learn from that whole story, we learn that the gladiator has uh, not only as a torpedo bomb, but it was used to to drop supplies and, and pull people out. So it's got more modularity than anyone ever gives it. And it's a, a such a such a unique ship in terms of and so, such an old ship. And yet everyone just goes, yeah, it's just rubbish. It's, uh, I'll, I'll it add to a, that. It is an unsung hero. I'll add to that. It's a really cool ship because if you know how it started, it was because of a scam. 
because someone decided they were going to make a, a stealth torpedo and they tried to sell the stealth torpedo to the UEE, but they said it had to have this constant lock on to, to hit a target. So the UEE asked Anvil to build a new ship because none of their ships could really like linger in an area for very long uh, to be able to essentially fire the stealth torpedo, which couldn't be detected by any sensors. And uh, so they built the prototype and they were get they got the prototype missile from the from this group of people and it turned out it was just an off the like a just regular size nine torpedo with like like circuit boards stapled to it. It's pretty much what it was. And so UEE was like, We got scammed, but we've got this giant this new bomber. What are we gonna do with it? Quick, let's rename it and call it a replacement for an older bomber. This will be this will be fine. Everything is fine. Please, everything is under yeah. control. But, but it's, you know, it's your yeah. it's your carrier borne uh, torpedo bomber, dive bomber. Yeah, it it has the, the the gunner at the back. It's just it just is such a lovely ship. Um, yeah, it gets overlooked a lot. Yeah, and it's, the modularity. Yep. Yeah, as, as you said, like a lot of people don't realize that ship's going to have some modularity when it comes out or when, when the modularity stuff comes out, like search and rescue and, modules, like cargo bay, whatever. So, yep. Tacton, I know this isn't really your area of expertise, but there are there is there any kind of lore behind a ship that you're very interested in? I uh, can't give you lore, but I could give you history of concept. Okay, go for it. Okay, so mine would be the Prospector. Mm-hmm. Now, the Prospector, when it was originally concepted, it was concepted as a deep deposit miner, not as what we have today where we're breaking rocks. It had a massive, uh, just like this disc sensor we have on the Odyssey, it had a massive one of those underneath. I don't actually think it's on the current model. It had a filter for anything when you uh, brought it, anytime you brought stuff up, it would filter out the inert, uh, which I'd prefer if we just called it host rock like it fucking is, but... That's that's another thing. Uh, and from there, it would sort it in its bags. You'd be able to say, okay, I want corundum going into this bag. I want barrel into this. I want uh, gold into this. And I want diamond into that. And say I then came upon something else, I could hit a button. There's this uh, console back in the prospector. You'd be able to hit a button on there and dump one of the bags out. Just completely flush it and say, okay, I'm going to instead switch over this new material on it because I can make more money. And it was so efficient the build like this this is what we want mining to be in game and uh yeah it's turned into what we have instead <laughs> do you think that they're <sighs> going to go back to uh is it called svelte or is it felt what is it what is it called the the inert rock uh host rock po- post I don't rock remember what they oh host 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 rock okay um the host yeah. So, so do you think that they'll, they'll ever be able to like filter out the host rock, or you something you'd like to see them do? Uh, the current uh, inert system. Yeah, we should be able to filter that out even before we get the refinery. That is just that's mechanical filtering. That shouldn't be that bad. We should be able to reduce it to a much smaller percentage. Yeah. Before we send it on. Uh, currently, until we get refining, I don't think that system's coming online. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we should get that back. It, that's not. It's not asking for much. Okay. Uh, I think there's some really good conversations we'll have about like gameplay and reality on that. That when we get into that segment where we talk more about your expertise, that mm-hmm. um, be a really interesting discussion. Sure. Jail, your thoughts on on a ship? Any ship that you think is really really cool or uh, uh, that people unsung? Don't know 
Unsung. The unsung one. Yeah. Cruisers and battle cruisers of the UEN. So we... these are the two remaining stretch goal classes of ships that we don't actually have anything on. Uh, and we have a few named cruisers and battle cruisers. So we've got the Africanus, Caraway, Integrity. These are all mentioned in law. Um, but a particular one is the Africanus was a battle cruiser that was then retrofitted as a carrier. So that again gets into another unsung thing is um, old ships that then get gutted and turned into another kind of ship uh, for the, the, the less prestigious parts of the UEN that are sort of patrolling the back lines. Mm -hmm. So there's my unsung hero. There we go. Um, I, gosh, unsung hero. Now I, I put myself in a, in, a, in, a, in a bad position there. Um, gosh, I was going to say the gladiator, but that's, that's already done. Um, hmm. All right. For, I'm just going to say the obvious, the MPVU, the Argo MPVU, MPUV, MPUV, the Argo cargo. Uh, for those of you who don't know, the Argo cargo is, quite literally the backbone of the economy um, because it works in tandem with UE military and UE civilians and citizens um, because Argo cargoes are modular. So the MPUV has different modules which you can attach to it. So the MPV, MPUV-1C is the cargo module attached. Then it goes from an MPVU-1C uh, P for personnel that it has a theoretical uh, search and rescue one. It's got a bunch of different ones, but the idea of the Argo MPUV is that it's so cheap to make and it's so easy to maintain. It's in fact the, the ship that a lot of pilots learn to fly on because it's so easy to fly. Mm. So most new pilots will use the MPVU uh, for their, their pilot testing for their, for their trials. Then, um, you know, in the military, that would be the Avenger, but in, in the uh, civilian world, it's the MPVU. Uh, so <laughs> people are already in chat going, oh, yeah, God, yeah. Paul. Uh, <laughs> but it's it, it yeah. is. Well, you know, if I knew you were going to go go uh, wanted to go Gladiator, I, I, well, you know, I could I could have done the MPVU. <laughs> I, I love the MPVU myself. Um, I love the law that when Argo had them and they the ship had reached the end of its line and they were selling mm. them off, you know, as scrap. People were buying them and putting them back into service because they were so strong and durable. And the, the, the OU, uh, OSU, the orbital service, yep. or, or, orbital utility, or it's OSU. Uh, uh, the, or OVU, the orbital utility vehicle. OUV. Yeah. The OUV, um, which was basically just a converted shuttle. So those, for the, for the, for the history, for those you don't know, Argo is a train manufacturer. Yeah. That's where they got their start. They make pretty much all of the trains. They made all the trains on Mars. They made a bunch of trains or refitted a bunch of the train systems on Earth. Um, they possibly make a lot of the train systems in the Stanton system. Uh, but I, I, I'll let you know, we do use uh, Argo's rail system, <laughs> system on Hurston. There we go. Um, you got it but, first from old man Hurston. <laughs> but the, the, the thing about it is... Um, they realized there was a problem. The train systems were working fine, but the bottleneck was unloading the trains and getting the, the cargo to where they needed to go, specifically to space. 
So they, they took some old shuttles, retrofitted them, and called them the orbital um, utility vehicles, um, o o OUVs, and then would then use those to transport it up to space. Uh, they were simple, easy, but they were conversions. They weren't really uh, dedicated. They weren't like bespoke design ships. And they, even the um, the link that they used to pick the cargo was literally taken from their trains. Yeah. They just um, kind of so like they, a, used their, they used a bespoke um, lock and load method. Yeah. And um, or latch and load, I think they call it, mm -hmm. um, to pick up the cargo pods from the train. So those thirty-two SCU cargo pods, I think, would have been. Mm -hmm. Yep, they just popped it up and it's flown off. So they, and as as Algar pointed out, like they were so well loved that when they were selling them off for scrap, people would buy them and then refit them and then use them again <laughs> because they were so well loved. So they go, hmm, maybe we should just try to improve on this. And so that came out with the MPUV. Yep. So. Uh, in theory, uh, in lore, it's supposed to be able to pick up cargo crates and move them around. So, yep. And the cargo pod that we've got is, you know, that, that's the modular bit. So yeah. you take that cargo pod off, and that then it's going and picking up those those crates. So um, the cargo module that's only to SCU personnel. Yeah. It's for intership transport of mail and, and stuff. Yeah. It's the mail van. This um, also kind of demonstrates how you can use lore to predict what they're going to be doing next with the ships because. When the raft was coming out, uh, or was was being like you know leaked and teased and whatever, it was already pretty obvious that it was going to be about rapidly you know dropping and picking up large containers from the law. And um, I I was pretty well. My my most confident guess on what the name RAFT would stand for was rapid attach freight freight transport. It's turned into reinforced advance. We can't predict the armor from mm -hmm. the law, but it's all in line with that thing of, you know, they're the guys who drop and pick up big containers quickly. Yeah, that's pretty much what, what the, what like the raft is designed to. And that's essentially an evolution of what the MPUV was designed to do in the first place. So, uh, yeah. And, but uh, yeah, I know raft is controlling three, three times 32, but because of, uh, the original design of the MPUV and what it was supposed to do, I wouldn't be surprised if the MPUV will get a essentially the ability to um, rack up uh, a 30, one 32SCU yep. cargo unit and then push it to a cargo a cargo brain. A brain. I think so if you um, have some sort of attachment that. system to attach, so it's like so it's maybe attached sideways while it's going going in while it's like it's it's landing gear or up or something like that. So I think if I think if you look at the MPVU, I have to, I have to double check it, but. It's Fairly close. If if you line up an MPVU over a, a 32 SCU crate, mm -hmm. it actually fits in between the engines. Doesn't mm -hmm. fit it, you know. Yes, you've got to get rid of that cargo module. We're not saying, you know, we're not saying it goes with a cargo module. No. Dump that little two SCU cargo module box with a seat in the back. Once that's gone, latch and, latch and load method with the orange bit of the, you know, the main chassis of the, of the MPVU. It's the bit mm -hmm. that picks up the of things and moves them around and shunts them and yeah. typical stevedora it's, it's not going it's not going to the planet but it's going into pushing it into into the cargo like to the to the uh cargo bays of a of a, of a space station the the cargo decks um, yeah the current the current argo cargo is really more really seems to me more like a specialized ship tender mm -hmm. of moving a couple mm -hmm. of staff and like this the, the you know, the few supplies you picked up on this this yeah. thing, but yeah, you wouldn't be using that module for moving like 
you know the entire ammo complement for a Bengal. No, that would be coming in a in a, a more more dense cargo solution, yep. which the Argo cargo, well, the the actual modular part of it should still be able to to handle. Yeah, exactly. So that's and that's and that's the thing to understand about lore. I think that we we'll, we all of us lore folks will tell you is that there's a lot of stuff you can predict or guess based off of knowing the lore, especially behind a ship. So um, let's go with um, let's see what was this last little lore bit, and then we'll 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 ask uh, Tecton about about some your specialties. And I think I'll ask Jail a little bit about his specialties as well, because I know Jail's specialties might you you might be very it might be very interesting to hear your thoughts on things like uh, science gameplay in Star Citizen, what you'd be looking forward to. Um, so uh, was it was what's the last ones? Uh, oh. Um, what about your favorite lore piece? Uh, maybe maybe around ships, since this is the IAE. Any any favorite lore piece around ships? Jail. I don't want to single out a piece as much as I want to like compliment their really particularly recent um, commitment to weaving weaving storylines into events and into what's been going on. I think that if you look back at very early lore, there's a big kind of disconnect between like, oh, this is what happens in this system, and it's completely detached from the actual gameplay des development that they're doing. Whereas, like, if you look at since um, the whole idea of regeneration came out, every lore piece has mentioned how, like, society is kind of coping with this new, this new kind of relationship with mortality that they'd have, which was... One of my biggest concerns about the idea of switching from you, you know, our relationship of life with life and death, which was the original death of a spaceman, to some sort of cloning regeneration thing was, well, if it's really old tech, then you have to answer how so many things in the past, like how a massacre can happen if everyone can come back to life. And if it's really mm -hmm. new tech, then surely that should be the focus. And they have made it the focus. And that, uh, so I think that recent law where they're wait weaving things in is is my, uh, you know, I, I think that 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 is something you don't usually see in a game. It's kept a bit more separate. Yeah. Um, Algren, your thoughts? Favorite 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 lore piece, lore bit. Um, probably one of my favorites is I've got I've got two in a sense. One is I think the Void Rats where they talk where they have the different ships and and the one is the um, the Mark One Connie. And so we've got a Mark One Connie there, and it doesn't have a doesn't have the um, the P fifty two, but the owner of this Mark One Connie has gutted the inside and in the tail has rigged up a, a size two cannon, uh, so we've given it a tail gun. Um, and it, but it, just that idea of showing in the law that in the, in the stories, the old development of the ships, and you, so you could actually kind of trace how the ships have developed over time. And the fact that we've got Mark IV on it, so you know you've got a Mark One way back there, you know it's grim and dirty, and then you've got the Mark IV, so it's been changed over time. And the other one is the, um, I can never remember the event, but it's the event where the UE had the AI bombers, the the um, Overlord, that went AWOL. Yeah. And so, and uh, all of a sudden it went it was working before it got to the border, and then all of a sudden it went wacko, and they had to go hunt them down and destroy them because they were afraid of oh, might cause a war. Um, and so I kind of like the idea of going and finding a, a, a crashed Overlord bomber or a, 
or finding a, a, a Mark One Connie somewhere. So yeah, yeah. Um, I, there's there's a lot for me to say. I, I will say two. One is the thing, or, or I'll say two of them. Two of them are both things I've recently discovered, which I think are cool. One is, do you no, know that si- do you know that Silas Kerner has a uh, a prototype Drake ship that's one of a time kind called the Drake Lobster? That's that red one from the. <laughs> it's the red one. I don't oh, know what it is. One that's like this, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it's from like an asset pack or something. Yeah. So so he has the only Drake lobster and it's still in its original packaging. He hasn't taken it out. It's still mint in box. <laughs> the, the ships come in like those clamshell packages. Apparently. <laughs> like, <laughs> you yeah, a yeah. really big pair of scissors. And like, <laughs> I, I, had, I had forgotten that, Paul. Oh, I, I found out about when I was doing some research for the Drake day. Um, the other yeah. one is that uh, I can't remember his name. But Grey Cat has interesting lore because Grey Cat was founded by a well-meaning gentleman from Mars who wanted to uh, sell mining safety equipment. But it was... But a generation later, his daughter takes takes over the business and his daughter's... uh, A friend of his daughter's from, from college who is this arrogant, pompous asshole. Like, just absolute, you know, love the smell of his own farts kind of guy. Was hired by a terraforming company who um, who he came in and kind of fixed their problem. But during his time in the Terraform company, it, they were underground doing some you know surveying and uh, a, a collapse killed 32 miners, injured dozens of others, and he lost his arm in it. And he blamed himself for not being able to, for being too arrogant and not being able to tell when the problem, when, when things were going to happen. So he actually got a separate arm that was uh, not the the top of the line prosthetic. He got a kind of a very basic prosthetic as kind of like penance for his own mistake. He was super sort of depressed. And so his friend from who was running Grey Cat um, hired him on as just kind of a like, uh, you just, you're good. I know you're smart. You know, let's, we'll just get you back on your feet, buddy. Right. Uh, and when he got hired back on, he started to obsess about mind safety. And so he had, had thought of engineer, didn't it? It, it? So he created the, he, this is the guy who created the pyro multi-tool and he started uh, creating a bunch of, he created the pyro multi-tool. He created the Ariel armor, the armor that was recently put it in. That armor is his design from the like 27th century or something like that. Uh, he also created the gray cat buggy and the rock. He created all of these designs. Uh, so like pretty much Grey Cat has been coasting on this dude's designs for the last 200, 300 years. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so he, oh. his idea of Grey Cat Buggy was to basically it was give it roll bars and, and so you could whiz through the mines safely. Yeah. Now for us as players, it was made so we could whiz through our, our multi-length hangers in five minutes instead of 15 minutes of running. Yeah, but, and, and go ahead. I was going to say like, like in the rock, for instance, is designed so that you don't have to carry heavy mining equipment, heavy mining lasers down a mine. You could drive this vehicle down a mine shaft and use the, the mining lasers from the safety of the vehicle and get out. If you, if a, if a collapse was happening rather than having to d- ditch the equipment and then run out, you saving that couple of seconds. Um, so like, it's very cool. It was one of those things where just like, wow, Grey Cat is like really coasting off of one dude's work. 
for the yeah, last now, <laughs> yeah, what, 300 years or something yeah. yeah and i don't think i don't think he created the rock ds i think that's that you almost see that as gray cat kind of trying to add and add add versatility to the rock we'll, we'll put on a, a bigger mining laser on the side and so. <laughs> uh, yeah i yeah. think that's the that's the um yeah post steve jobs era of apple for gray cats like mm -hmm. what do we do now I'll just yeah. Oh no, he's gone. What do we do? What do we do? Yeah. yeah. Um, and he also created the Cygnus mining drone, the uh, the spider drone. He was the one who created right. the Cygnus. Give, so. give me yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> I've got so, one more. Sorry, I've got one more yeah. like obscure law thing that's been, I've been on all day, and it's related to IAE, and it's related to Jimmy. Okay. Everyone's favorite Jimmy. Yep. Before Jimmy, when he was when uh, Jax was hosting Galactic Gear. He had a different pilot called Timo Bakshi, who'd won the Murray Cup twice. And the Bakshi family turn up all across the racing law, and I'd never heard of them. And it, it just had a complete pass us by, but they they um, a racing dynasty with like 40 years of history. And um, yeah, there's three mentions of them that they're a racing family with 40 years of history that won three times. Timo Bakshi's won it twice and he rep pilot for Galactic Gear. And there's another one called Red Bakshi, who was probably around in the early 2900s, is kind of like a legendary um, pilot. But yeah, both Timo and Jimmy are like the Stig for the Top Gear. But they both wear the same helmet and you don't see that helmet anywhere else. You can't get that helmet. So I'm wondering. Is Jimmy actually Timo Bakshi, like under a pseudonym, or another member, or is it Jimmy Bakshi? Is it like, um, like Timo's younger brother? I want to know more about Jimmy. I want to get Timo's son. We need to know more about Jimmy. And and fun fact, Jimmy does talk. He just hasn't talked recently. Yeah, yeah he's we've got one line that though that could wait be... what? <laughs> that was they... his line, wasn't it? Yeah, they, it was. Um... It's um, fermented corpse bugs. And oh, yeah. He, yeah, and, but that could also be a different Jimmy who's a producer on the show as opposed to Jimmy, the pilot and host. Uh -huh. So I wish we were called Jim A. So, yeah. Are there two Jimmys? The, the, the rabbit hole, the conspiracy. Conspiracy. Okay. <laughs> uh... Yeah. All right. Uh, well, let's talk about ex expertise. Uh, and, you know, what, what can we learn a little bit from the expertise? So, Tacton, um, based off your expertise as a, as a, as a mining, uh, someone who's interested in geology and mining, uh, what do you think CIG does well with Star Citizen? And what do you think it does poorly when it comes to mining? Okay. Uh, when they first implemented mining, this was a really easy answer. Just one moment. Okay. I got some good questions. I've been looking forward to this this interview segment because I I got some questions about like game design that I yeah. always just think you know you can't get you can't get that kind of insight unless you have someone who actually understands the thing. It's like okay, All so right. what, what can we learn from it? <laughs> okay, so when mining first came out into the game, uh, I used to take my old org at the time out on mining missions, and the reason I specifically did this was. Uh, these rock-based nodes that we have now, they used to conglomerate in uh, where you would expect them, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Like, I would follow the train, I'd look for a depositional environment, and I would find swaths of them to pick mm -hmm. from. 
Nowadays, they've kind of gotten rid of that. So it's a lot harder to say that they're doing it right unless they're going to add in something else, which uh, I think I've talked about before on other channels. By something else, I mean veins, underground deposits, something that can actually expand our infinite universe, or not our infinite universe, our finite resource mm -hmm. universe that we have. Because right now, we got these rock nodes. If we stay finite like they've told us we're supposed to, they're going to mine out the entire system in, what, a day, two days per system? Yeah. That won't last. The game will die within a month. That Have they work. said that they're finite? Have they yes. said that it's finite, or is it more of a... Um, it's, I mean, in non-infinite in that there'll be a pool, but the pool will be replenished, so... You'll have so it'd be more like I mean I know this isn't realistic of course but in order to keep the gameplay going it'd be more like grazing a field of of grass essentially that'll grow back if people stop grazing it or or are they are they dedicating themselves to like no we can like mine out a planet uh, what they said is that it would appear on a different location well if that keeps okay. going if it can't come back to an original location eventually that should still equal out to zero unless they give us much larger deposits. Uh, and I don't remember which dev it is, but it was recently when we were talking about Quanta, they showed us very briefly some heat maps that had uh, mineral, dis uh, mineral percentages in locations. And they followed the topography of the actual planet they were showing. And that was exactly what we're looking for. If they go in and they actually stay to what they've talked about multiple years ago if they go back to that instead of this rock-based system where we're just getting what's fallen downhill mm -hmm. basically yeah a finite I, I... system will be fine it will actually last us for the entire game's playthrough we won't have an issue I, but if I we think don't that, do that, um go ahead i think that video you were referring to was when tony g was when tony z was was going through and looking at the, the planetary tech and and how the how we could scan for things and do things. I I think it was related to that. I could be wrong, but um, but I can remember you were watching it with um with the info runners at the time, and and I can remember you you almost feeling wow, this is this is this is what we need. This this is actually showing us the the trail. You've got the trail here, and it's following the mountains, and it's exactly the way you'd expect it to be. And I go, yeah, I can remember that excitement in your voice at at, at, at noticing that. I think I was there when yeah. you were all talking about it. So, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's basically geomorphology. If you ever yeah. want to study terrain and how it affects resource deposition, that's exactly what it was. It was a heat map of the geomorphology of a planet, and it was spot on for what we need. In fact, to implement it, I have a theory that we're going to see it sometime after River Tech because it uses a very similar code to do. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it would make sense. And uh, as someone who's uh, read geo maps before, they're not that difficult to study to figure out as long as you understand some basic, uh, like looking at a at a, at a uh, morphology um, geomorphology map in terms of the layers of, of sediments, in terms of like what like this this deposit versus this deposit versus this deposit, and being able to date the times, it it isn't that complicated. And if you can figure out, like for instance, uh, I went when I studied a little bit of geology was in the um, Appalachian Mountains. So like coal is a big thing. 
so there. So you look for places that were would correspond with the uh, this the, the time period where uh, the region was covered in a swamp, which is where the coal came from in the first place. So if you know where that time period is, and you can find morphology that is similar to, or like find out where that uh, that 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 striation would be, or the where that depo those deposits would be, you're likely to find coal in those areas. So I, I think in the gameplay perspective, that wouldn't be too difficult um, to implement. Mm. You know, as long as you had some very good hand-holding to begin with, it wouldn't be too difficult. Uh, yeah, I mean, fr from a gameplay perspective, I, I'm, I'm you know, usually 90% confident they won't paint themselves into a design corner where the game must die. Yeah. You know, um, but I, I think there's a, you know, there's a question that I, I'd really like to to get Tecton's thoughts on are is um you know what's something from you know the real mining world that's really good fodder for a game as you know a, essentially simple lowest common denominator gameplay mechanism that would really enrich mining um i mean obviously there's this thing of the geomorphology is there anything else that that like they're missing out on that would really yes. kind of like push it push it fun Yes, I'm really curious to hear from him. Yeah, let's hear. <laughs> uh, first would be core drilling, which is what they kind of originally showed the prospector and what I assume this new one will also be able to do. Uh, now, core drilling, if we added it in, it's mostly to gain access to figuring out the depth of the deposit and where there's changes in the actual core as you're going down so that you know just how far down it starts how far down it ends, you take multiple of these and you can actually create a 2D cross-sectional area of a landscape. And it's really useful for then determining the yield of your deposit. So that's the first part. It honestly wouldn't be that hard to implement either, especially if they keep the data in our storage. Let's say you can transfer it to our Moby glass from there and we can look at an actual image on our Moby glass that shows us, okay, it's this, this, we get to map the points. Maybe it auto does it for us. Doesn't really matter. And then from there we know, okay, I want to build a base here. This is worth X amount of credits. It's going to have X longevity. I'm going to go here. Uh, second is refining. Refining is pretty straightforward how we do it today. Every company has their own mixture and how they actually do it. But first we do mechanical separation. Then we either do chemical or heat-based for most things. We could add those in. They could be very hands-on. You could be based on what catalyst you're using for what mineral you're going after. It can be based on what pressure you have to keep it at. You could do any number of things and have a very fun system. It'll be a little mm. tedious for people who don't want to do it, but that's why we have those stations. I think the mechanical refining could be very easily implemented. Well, when I say easily implemented, I mean, implement in a way that most players would be able to easily understand in terms of, you know, I have an input, be it the mining laser or something I'm bringing out of a bag, and I have two outputs, be it bag or dump, right? Mm. And you'll fraction, do a fractionation based on some criteria. Let's say, let's say it was done on mass or something, so particle mass or density, whatever. And you're using knowledge and tables and things that you look up to work out how to do my settings and juggling between the bags to get like a nice pure bag of one thing and chuck out the host rock as you're referring to it 
that's not a complicated gameplay system, but it would mean those steps of like, you know, when I first got a prospector, I wasn't making much money. I didn't know what to mine. I was just mining everything and taking it and trying to sell it. And then I learned which, what things to look for from mining. And then that would be able to let you take it even further to sort of say, I can do this extra step. And because I'm good at understanding it, I can, you know, make, make more, more from a single run. Do you, would you agree with that? Or is that oversimplifying it? No, that's actually entirely what the first one would be. Uh, you'd have a little bit of something grinding it to the right size, and then you'd have a specific uh, specific gravity separation, most likely. And and if you think about it, that's what the, the prospect is supposed to have in its filtering system. It's exactly. what the uh, mole's supposed to have in its filtering system. And we know when we're, you know, um, we get the idea that it's supposed to have a similar system on the Orion, almost like the... Um, the reclaimers got with a conveyor belt, putting the stuff and just sorting the sorting the, the scrap into different pools. Um, yeah. So we know that's something they've actually kind of hinted at. Or, and I don't think giving a simple two-way fractionation to the prospector or the mole threatens refinery ships, which could have like four five-way fractionation for and then all the other steps to actually do the refining you know the you can kind of still have these overlaps without having to make it like you know take something off the prospector concept yeah i was gonna I add because texting because I, I think you can correct me if i'm wrong but if i remember correctly a lot of metals often use like acids or heat to try to separate the rock from the um from the ore a um, lot of heat usually some will use some will use acids. It depends more on what your host rock is for that. Yeah, uh, but well, that... heat is generally great for metals, whereas minerals, heat is heat is bad. <laughs> heat yeah. is really bad. Well, and that, and that that might be a great. I feel like that. You uh, do you disagree? Agree or disagree with me? I think that's a pretty simple gameplay mechanic. Hey, you've got a mineral versus a versus a metal. Use this acid to to to. You want to use acid to to refine this rather than than heat. Oh, this is a metal. You're going to want to use heat. So like if a player goes, oh, I'm just going to just, I'm going to hit buttons. I'm going to hit, you know, the, great. You dumped, you dumped your entire, uh, you know, quartz crystals into, uh, into a furnace, a, a furnace and it's <laughs> yeah. all gone now. Good, good, good job. Yeah. You know, you uh, glass. <laughs> yeah. this is all um, stuff where, where we're working towards the, you know, the conversation here, I think we're all working towards the epitome of what a good gameplay design is, which is low skill floor, mm -hmm. high skill ceiling. You know, you don't need to understand all this to play the game, but you get a lot out of it if you if you're yeah, using if, your brain and using the mechanics well. If you if you work out that yes, I put the I put the crystals into that tub or that bag, that's gonna I'm gonna lose it if I do this the other way. I was just wondering when Dan Truffle was talking mining, didn't he talk or, or hint at that type of if you do the you know if you're refining on your ship and you do the wrong thing, you you're going yes. to lose. Um you're going to lose the product because you've 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 done the wrong you've done the wrong method um yeah, they said it's going to be extremely hands-on you're going to have to look into catalyst to use you're going to have to look into what uh, material to yeah. use as your base for it you're going to have to lose things and just decide hey i'm going to give up this yeah. thing to get this i'm going to give up the goal to get the to get this i'm going to give up the this to get that and you're going to have mm -hmm. to make choices um yeah. okay this is all great yeah, right. yeah. Yeah. I'm glad I'm glad I wasn't dreaming and just imagining that because you know, old man Hurston, you know, <laughs> uh, you, um, you know more than you let on, my friend. 
Uh, so here's here's the question. You just have to. There's so many out there to try and knock me off. I tell you. <laughs> um, here's a question for you then as well. Um, what would you want to see CIG avoid when it comes to mining and refining? What uh, do I want to see them avoid? Yeah, in terms of like like. Is there anything you sit there and go, I really hope they don't do this? Like like maybe misconceptions about how mining and refining works or uh, things that you see in like other games from mining games or, or, or processing or whatever? Okay, I'll say, I'll start with mining. I am hoping they do not continue to build on this rock node-based mining. Okay. At this point, this is supposed to be tier zero. This is not very advanced. This is not very useful to the verse. It's not going to work if they keep just adding on to this. It's wasting time that could have gone towards something that uh, I've I've actually given a rundown on info runners and how to implement the the deep ore. It's just like data cache. That's all you have to care about. It's not voxel. We don't need that in the game. We don't need to blow up our computers trying to do this. Mm -hmm. But these underground nodes that we should be able to hit would take just as much work, if not less, than these rocks. And instead, they're putting all this effort in these things. We just recently got those uh, items we can put on to uh, help fracture them or make them safer to fracture. I like the theory behind those. Those will be amazing on asteroids. Mm -hmm. But on a rock on a planet, that's a little overkill. Unless we're talking some massive rock. And at that point, I'd rather just go up geomorpho uh, ge geomorphologically and find where it came from. Because I've already said, these deposits, they aren't part of the ground. They're loose. These aren't the deposit. They're yep. just a rock. They've probably been moved by a, a, a glacier or an earthquake or an asteroid hit or anything, but they're not part of the original structure. Yeah. It's one of the, what you said there gives me hope in, in, in a sense, because when they sold the Pioneer, the Pioneer came with the, the land claim and, and the means to do it. And the idea was, when you find land with really good mining, not just a surface mine, you claim the land, and then people could actually come and, you know, and steal that over, you know, still mine that land and steal it, or you come and put your base on there and do the mining, you know, and have your base doing the mining. And so that kind of gives me the hope of that they are going down that line of those ground survey veins and, and stuff, and you. You, you know you, you find your land then you then you land claim it then you bring your stuff in and do that so i'm, I'm hopeful but can uh can we address some of the questions in chat there's actually uh, one that if you like yeah yeah i mean uh, well here's the question because there's a couple of questions these, these questions we're going to go to the question section and uh, question answer section here in a moment okay. So, so yeah, if, if anybody was ask, asking, or if you want to ask questions to Tecton specifically, feel free to, hit, to use the little uh, question uh, coin and we'll talk about these questions here shortly. Um, I do want to shift a little bit over and, and, and do a little bit more future concept, jail. Um, you, your profession is, as we, we, I think we talked about it live, is, is uh, biology, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was, I was an evolutionary developmental biology for biologist for many many years. Uh, recently, I moved into a more sort of production biology. I, I work in COVID testing now, okay. uh, so that's um, kind of interesting, a different side of things as well. Uh, so the question I have for you is: as a scientist, 
with science gameplay being a thing that's going to happen in the future, what sort of things do you think would be easy to mat onto gameplay that would be more realistic in terms of science? I think, and, also, think and also fun. And also fun. Yeah, exactly. exactly. It has to be fun, right? I mean, the only thing we've seen about science gameplay so fun was that so far was that they wanted to basically have us bring in sort of a sort of science resource that we've mined out of the environment and then run it through a game of basically mastermind. And I don't think that that is, I don't think that's a good a good route to follow. End of the day, the um, why would a scientist be out and about rather than in a university in Rater system or whatever? It's because they're doing something which requires them to. It's field work. And that's the thing. I think they need to understand, I think they need to conceptualize it as field work and field laboratories rather than R&D, which you, don't, you wouldn't do in the back of a spaceship. So I think you want to build it into, a, again, an information economy and community projects that are pulling towards a... Uh, an objective so for example a centralized grant that might be to um investigate the geology of an area or investigate the plant life the flora and the fauna of an area and and so you're contributing by making observations on an area and i think that okay mastermind's not a good gameplay idea you want to be doing something actually kind of more like the like the mining gameplay of managing a power and gain level because frankly i've used a lot of different analytical techniques in my years in science a lot of things comes down to how much power gain you put on your detector and a signal to noise ratio consideration whether you're working with microscopy or you're doing things with you know detecting detecting qpcr signals it's all kind of coming into these same areas. So you can kind of do that abstraction, but you've got to apply the right tool, have a little skill game, mm -hmm. and I think build into a community, a, a community grant project system that reflects a field work. That would be okay. my, my pitch. So, so something, just as a pitch, as an idea, like something like, for instance, they want to study the the the, the um, habitats or the actions of the boreal stalker. So they need observations of where uh, of finding boreal stalker nests. They need to have people bring back observations of boreal stalkers in the wild. Maybe have someone um, set it sedate and track, put a tracker on a, a boreal stalker to kind of track its movements and its progress. And each of these are different stages of this project needs to get completed. And each of those stages can be hired out by one scientist or one group of person can go out and accomplish this goal for the greater goal of of, of the data collection that needs to be done for the mission itself. Yeah. And I think that you can also parallelize that, parallelize that around resource collection because let's take a very good example of something you could collect from the environment for the boreal stalker, feces. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna go down a whole thing about poop now, but I've got hey, lots of things I can say about poop. I, I, all I'm gonna say is as I, I I would talk about archaeology. I'm not much of an archaeologist, but I know enough about history to know that like the one thing that us that sociologists dig through is garbage. That's, their, that's yeah. our favorite thing to do, is look through yeah. garbage. <laughs> you can pile. The official term we call it is a midden pile. It just Thank means you. rubbish pile. Yeah. <laughs> but you, you could be collecting that, and you could be analyzing the genome of that animal because it's full of the animal's own DNA. You can analyze mm. its diet. You could analyze it for signs of whether it's got any um, 
any like health problems, malnutrition, or a viral mm. infection. And those could require different tools and different modules, and science ships could have positions for, say, like a Reliance Sen might have like one position for a module. So I put my genome sequencer in that module space, and now I can take those genome sequencing tasks. Whereas a, a medium science ship, you have to make the choices about which modules are going to take, and that affects things. And again, it just comes back to the same idea. Low skill floor, high skill ceiling, choice, thought, and uh, skill paying off. And oh, you, that, should, yeah. that should apply to everything. Okay. You, you, Ian, so you, you were talking about you know, filming or, or recording the, the animal in the wild. That's your Mako. You've yeah. actually got to play a game loop for your Mako at that point. Then your Mako down and he's filming him. And yeah, finally, <laughs> a gameplay loop for a Mako. Um, but would tie into that kind of researchy aspect. I don't think you'd be doing your research and development on a ship like an Endeavour, even though the Endeavour is effectively a flying space station. That would be. Unless I kind of have to disagree. I, I would say you you would definitely do it if you're a drug manufacturer and by drug yep, manufacturer yep, yep. I don't yeah. mean legitimate drugs. <laughs> or, or, you, or, you, or you need to grow something in a, in an environment. Generally, it's not the main area you'd be doing your research. It's it's almost a yeah, it's not the main area. You might do some, but you'd still be going because you've got a grant from, you know, Rita or Mars. Three reasons to do it on an endeavor. Go ahead, Declan. One, the one you just gave about drugs. Mm. Two, hazardous uh, viruses. Okay. It's to keep it from getting down to planet, keep it from getting mm. to base. Third one, and this is kind of towards the geology sector, uh, we're really hands-on with our testing. We don't need to be on a planet. We don't need any of that. We're going to do very hands-on, just stick it in there, see what happens. And we don't need this. We're not like biologists where it's really clean. Most of our labs are not exactly sterile. Uh, we'll, we'll create freaking magma if we want to in some of our labs. And uh, when it comes to geology research, it's very hands-on. Say for refining, we want to know, okay, what's the best amount of catalyst to add for this milliliter of this? And we're going to have to do a lot of testing. It's going to be hands-on yeah. testing. I don't want to have to go back to base to do the testing to find this out. I want to and do go it back out. here. Yeah. yeah, I want to do it yeah. at site. But that, that's, that's kind of a, that's kind of a yeah. field research, not the. I'd, yeah, I'd say that essentially there should be a reason why you've brought the lab to the place. And yeah. I, yeah, I know people who've worked on essentially the real world equivalent of these vessels, i.e., ocean going research vessels such as. Um, you know the remember boating at Boatface, which ended yeah. up being called the the Attenborough. Yeah, I, I've got I've got colleagues who worked on those, and you do do science on the ship, but it's part of it, it's it's still a compromised situation because you can't have the kinds of equipment that you can have in a stable lab environment. So you, you're going out, you're making collections, and you're doing what observations you can on site, while at the same time you'll eventually come home mm -hmm. uh, to, to a, pl a place where you have the disadvantage of not being near the thing that you're researching, but you have the advantage of all the resource and all the community that will be able to contribute to, to your work. I, I now work in a virus lab, so um, I, I would say actually the Endeavour wouldn't be a good situation for that because you would not believe the amount of consumable resource we get through to 
keep a lab running. That's uh, so maybe a station in orbit for like a category five biohazard situation. We only go up to category four in the real world now. Let's make a category five in space. Space, so you worry space no more. Nile. <laughs> Don't worry me there. He's sitting there going, looking like a mister, you know? <laughs> um, Sorry, I, I get a very hand, hand talker. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, well and I'll add to this because uh, I'm not a sociologist myself, nor, nor am I an anthropologist or, a, uh, or an archaeologist, but I know enough about those, those sorts of situations to know that. I think a lot of this can be tied in together because I feel like a lot of this is also tied in together in CIG's mind. And the yeah. one thing I would I would hope for CIG to do is to extract this idea that these are the same things. Like archaeology is not the same thing as geology. Uh, in fact, we they even have a paleontologist on staff, Bayer, who is a uh, he was a who has a doctorate in paleontology. Is he's the kind of head. Um, customer resources or like a feedback he does like a lot of the feedback threads he's the one who does those but before he worked for cig Wait, really? he was a yeah he was a paleontologist he was a phd in paleontology um so like please listen to him <laughs> he, he he's a geologist and he knows these sorts of things as well um but on on top of that like you know like a, for instance a an archaeological dig you most likely are not removing anything from the, the the dig. You are taking your time to section off an area to to uh, figure out where everything is. Photograph everything. Don't touch anything. Anytime someone pulls out, like every time I see like a movie, like like where they pull out like a dinosaur bone, and they hold it in their hands. They pull out like a piece of pottery. I'm like, oh my god, what did you do? <laughs> you have no oh, idea how old that is. <laughs> let's pull it out and yes, just yank it out. Yeah, just yank it out. You know. Let's, uh, uh, let's not record where it is before we've done it. Let's not yeah. measure it. Let's not photograph it. Let's not. Yeah. This is why you don't send the geologist. We have a hammer and it's going to get used. <laughs> we have a hammer uh, and a it, chisel. We don't have a brush. But 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 like anything you can you can find anything you can see about like the breaking pattern of a pot in the area to determine if it's a if it's from in a refuse pile or if this was in a house. Or because a lot of times you just can't tell until you've ex excavated an entire area, and um, a lot of that is painstaking work that you kind of carefully go through, which I think could be pretty cool for uh, a gameplay in, in the sense of like, hey, there's this area, go through this area with like say ground penetrating radar and map out the the areas below this. We know that there used to be a town in this area. Let's go map through this area and figure out where this town was because it got buried by a landslide or by a magma, by an explosion. And so you can then go through and, you know, do gameplay later of, of excavating an area with, with the right tools. So. Yeah, I mean, a lot of science isn't fun. No. It, it just it is it's fun the first time but you've got to do it a hundred times yes and that's not necessarily how make good yeah and so yeah. i think that they want if i was to sit down with any gameplay i had five minutes i'd what i would try to say to them is there are some things that are great about working in science mm -hmm. that a really good gameplay um loop would try to capture and that is the the sense of discovery but also the idea that you're contributing to something larger than yourself, even if it's in an incremental fashion, I think if you can capture that, then the the actual gameplay mechanic is slightly less important than than that kind of affect. The difference between the affect and the effect, you know, the the that that affective sense of I of making you feel like how a scientist feels. 
Mm -hmm. I have contributed. As a this is how we know had, had that I'm this. not a biologist. <laughs> it's just completely different. Yeah, the answer is make it so that we have value in our actual income from it. Yeah, but I mean, you know, I, I know I know enough <laughs> geologists who are also very excited about uh, like figuring out an area and being like, this area, this rock is ten thousand years old. Yeah, the last time this rock was above ground, this entire place was an ocean and in the middle of a desert. You know, well, like, you there's know, different there's different that. geologists. Yeah. There's economic yeah, there's geology, definitely. and then there's university based and. Uh, they're they're completely different monsters. Yeah. Economic yeah, side, we're we're all about okay, how do we exploit? Mm. So data for what we find needs to be valuable. So data has to be important to the game. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, so I think it's that, it's that whole science verse science for knowledge and science for exploitation. But the character versus the Odyssey to to come back full circle almost isn't it so, yeah there, there's a gameplay opportunity there between if you found some information that's interesting who gets to exploit it the yeah. the scientist geologist or the extractive geologist that's a that's a really good like interpersonal conflict gameplay mechanic that you can use and, and it rocks It'll rocks usually be whoever pays more yeah but i mean you, you know who knows like if a player wants to wants to get reputation with this one you know group that may not be, you know, uh, Shubin Interstellar, but Shubin Interstellar is going to pay you more, but you're not going to get as much reputation. You might go for that reputation because you want to be known as the dude who found this this great, like, historical find that was then given to the, the this university, so that you can they could then kind of study the 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 past history of this planet that they don't know a lot about. Um, because you know the cash money won't spend as much as the the reputation that you will then get you access to new missions or something like that too. That's and interesting gameplay just decisions there so even in law we've got planets that are very set up set up in that system there's this plant there's a protostar in one of the mm -hmm. systems that, that's developing and it's currently on the scientists love it they, they're oh we can watch a system develop and the industrials you know old man hurston and his family they we want to send in our our boys and, and get all those minerals out because they're so rich and they're easy to get then strip mining a planet very easy yeah i mean uh, um, a, great, a great example of that is uh uh, uh wow well, uh, hades hades is this great like archaeological it's, it's a graveyard but where the, where a planet was entirely destroyed like like ripped apart to a half planet and so like archaeologists are like we need to study who these people were what what happened to them to learn about their history and hurston dynamics and bearing are like what the hell blew up that planet we need to find that gun whatever that is that blew up that planet we want that because we're gonna yeah. make that and sell that and like and and unlike, unlike comes... historian where, where we'll go through the layers and you know layer by layer and strip and look for the stratigraphy someone like hurston will just go in and we'll just rip out <laughs> we'll just rip it out. It's down there. We're ripping it. Don't care what's above it. Just get that weapon. Don't care. That gun you know, became the level Ares. What's that? That gun became the Ares Inferno and Ares Island. Just say it now. <laughs> no, no, it's too small. Uh, they're just models. models. They're just models for it. Ah, oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> they're, 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 uh, models. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. Dale, go ahead. It all comes down to different yeah. gameplay loops competing for the same resource, whether yeah. it's information yeah. or physicalized. And that's that is something we're not really doing in anything at the moment, other than mm -hmm. maybe there's a few scripted missions where you've got yeah. like adversarial things. That adversarial nature can really be built into these systems. I've got and... a question for Tekton that I really like his thoughts on. Sure. Um, what's, you, you know, this is maybe going beyond Star Citizen. 
But what's one thing, one fact, or one one concept that you wish game developers understood about mining or geology? One concept. I wish they fully understood geomorpho uh, geomorphology. I don't. The idea that 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 the shape of the land is going to influence where these resources end up is that am I right in understanding that? It, it's kind of that as well as they're part of what caused it. Remember, these resources are the landscape themselves. It's, it's, it's both. Uh, it's a layer, and there might be multiple layers. I want them to understand why this mountain, if I drill here, I'm going to hit the substance sooner than if I drilled over on the left side of it or the right side of this mountain. Uh, I want them to why understand will I find, this. Why will I find gold in the river? That type of... Yeah, they, they, they should understand that as well. That comes down to the gold in the river is probably from upstream where it's yeah. cut through where this uh, bare outcropping was from a gold layer, basically. Something filled with gold. And yeah. uh, I want them to understand this. And SIG seems to, and now that you told me there's a paleontology uh, a paleontologist on staff, I highly think they do understand and just don't want to answer us half the time. Uh, because I, I did my undergrad research under a paleontologist. They are a geologist. Yeah. They're one of us. Mm -hmm. They just don't care about his money as much as an economic geologist does. <laughs> but uh, they will understand this. Most paleontologists understand stratigraphy and geomorphology extremely well. Uh, because it's why we find fossils where we do. Same thing, same concept, except they're much easier to break. Uh, so I actually think SIG is probably on track. They just don't want to show it. Okay. All right, well, we'll end it there and then we'll get into the questions and answers because we're already gone for like an hour and 20 minutes. So we're a little longer than we should do normally, but this is, this is a good conversation. Talking about lore, yeah. talking about lore, talking about like like gameplay. And uh, I think I think what we've, what we've learned is that there's like a, a good balance of fun and, and engagement. And I think... I hope CIG learns that they need to kind of step away from some of this, you know, science resource, process science resource, happy, and be more like, hey, if you know how to read this map, then you can in improve your, your chances. Or if you know, you know, this is the end goal of this, of this, uh, you know, working together to solve a problem, you know, to, to collect this resource or to collect, to observe this, this specimen or yep. whatever. To, why, but, why are the boulders of, of ore here that, yeah, but that node idea—that's a frustration I find with most games. It's, oh, there's uh, no, there's no ore node here. Yeah, okay, I'll mine it, but why? Um, um, problem solving. Like it's it's yeah. it's a it's a it's a it is it is in of itself a gameplay type, uh, a puzzle, you know that uh, players can find. So make it puzzles, yeah. more puzzles. CIGs. We're trying to say is more puzzles. Uh, <laughs> so. I'm just trying to say get. Pay, pay me for what I keep giving you guys ideas for. I mean, this, you're ripping <laughs> me off now. Come on. All right, y'all. Thank you so much for watching. Thank you to Algrotectin and Jail for joining us here for this, this episode. We'll be back in a few minutes if you're watching this live on Twitch to the question and answer session. If you're watching this on YouTube, like, subscribe, hit the little bell icon, tell us your own thoughts down below. Uh, and the question and answer session should be popping up about a day after this. So uh, thank you all for watching. And like I say every time, hope to see you someday in the black.